Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armour Report, everybody. It's Monday morning. Thanks for being here with me. Armour stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research, A-R-M-R. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about stock market investing for those of you who are new. All right. um, Let's unpack today's action. We're going to talk about three specific things. Time to hedge the portfolio and how to do it. Dividend investing ideas. We're going to talk about Warren Buffett for a minute. Then we're going to wrap up with um, some thoughts for investors who are just starting their journey. So investing for beginners, but also for guys who've been doing this for a while. Some of the things I find it's helpful to look at top stock charts so that you can refresh your memory or start to learn what to look for when you want to buy a stock. Okay, so we're going to talk about those three things. What is quantum mental investing? That's what this show is all about. It's the combination of quantitative analysis for our execution purposes, that's computer learning and AI, mixed with a fundamental foundation, and that's what creates our investing edge. It's that edge I share with you. It's that information that I share with you three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1130 to noon. Um, all this information I use for myself to manage my own capital and for investors I work with through interactive brokers, our affiliation there. Um, this is an educational show. I'm not telling you what stocks to buy. When I talk about a stock, I'm either giving you an example of how we do it or I talk about what's in my portfolio. It doesn't mean it should necessarily be in yours. Everything begins and ends on our desk with risk management. And so I couldn't possibly tell you what stocks to buy since I don't know you. I don't know your financial situation and what type of risk you're willing to tolerate. You've got to figure that out for yourself. But I do hope that some of the things I provide on the show when it comes to information, whether it be uh, a quantitative using our computer strategies and our, our execution strategies or fundamental when I talk about ideas that we're focusing on that are on our whiteboard, I hope you guys can benefit from that over time. Um, it's a live trading desk, don't forget. So if the phone rings, I got to take it. Sometimes I get distracted. Thanks for bearing with me. Okay, let's jump into it. Um, of course, you see up there, top of the screen, a little thumbs up. If you enjoy this conversation, you want to give back, just click, uh, you like this. I appreciate it. It'll help me out. All right. First thing I like to talk about on every show is the approach we have on our desk to managing our risk. So what we do is we have seven indexes we follow that we believe give us the full picture of market direction. When there's confluence, when they're all projecting the same movement, that's when we get bullish and we put a lot of capital to work. If there's conflict, there's conflict, 
there's conflict, we don't put a lot of capital to work, okay? But we will focus on certain sectors. And what I've been talking about ad nauseum for the last six weeks probably is that we are buying dividend-paying assets, okay? That has not changed. We're still focused on dividend stocks. Reason? $15 trillion worth of negative interest rates around the world and a pension liability that's getting bigger and bigger as the day goes on. Pensions have to put money to work so they can pay out retirees. It's a massive problem when interest rates are so low on government securities or negative. It forces pensions to put billions of dollars higher up on the chain of, of returns. That means corporate debt. That means corporate equity with dividends. And so that's a primary focus on our desk. So while we haven't had confluence, we've had the big indexes, the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Dow moving to new highs. We're not seeing that in some of our sub-indexes, the IBD50, the Momentum Index, the Value Index. These things are coming off their lows, but they haven't hit new highs. And so that forces us to remain uh, in a cautious position where we've added positions. Hey, we're having a great run. We're going to go over Disney in a minute. I talked to you guys about that a couple of weeks ago. I said, this is your risk-reward entry point. Reward's big. Risk is small. And I'll show you on the chart how we knew that. Now, of course, we're getting great numbers out of this thing, and it's going through the roof. Um, and so it becomes a major core investment for us. So I'm going to unpack how we do that for beginners later in the show. And really also for guys who've been doing this a long time, but maybe you've lost your way a little bit and you're struggling in the market, I find it's good to focus on what William O'Neill would say are, is a past great winner. We're in the midst of, of witnessing Disney that X amount of months or years from now will look like a past great winner. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's cold outside here in Florida. <laughs> um, all right. So I wrote in the title of this show, It's Time to Hedge. So let me address that. We have four types of portfolios we manage here at Interactive Brokers. Okay, one's index only. I'm not talking about that right now. But we have conservative, balanced, and aggressive approaches. In the conservative portfolios, we already are carrying cash. So what I'm about to say does not relate to our conservative accounts. In our balanced accounts, we have cash. So what I'm about to say does not count for a conservative or balanced portfolio. But for our aggressive accounts, where we have the maximum equity exposure right now, as markets are making all-time new highs, that's what I'm addressing. And for us, it's time to reduce risk, not by selling stocks that are winning. I'm not booking profits there. In fact, I don't want to book profits anywhere in there on a short-term basis because everything I've been talking about for the last six, seven weeks are about putting positions on in dividend-paying stocks. So when they run off the lows, when we get the entry right and they run off the lows, I want to hold those stocks as long as I can and collect the yield. It's passive income, guys. It's a beautiful thing. This yield pays my bills. Right? 
It's just fun. You get dividend checks, pile up in the account. You make your money work for you. That's why we focus there. So how do I manage the risk if I have a lot of exposure and I don't want to sell them because I want to collect the yield? Well, what I do in my portfolio is I, sh I hedge by shorting small caps. So I'm long big cap equity with dividends, and I short small cap. Small caps always go down more than big caps when the market implodes. Less institutional support. You guys have heard me talk about that a lot on the show. Institutional support is key in a bull market, but it also helps you understand where to make your money short in a bear market or in a correction. You go where the institutions aren't. You go where big money is not supporting. And big money doesn't really support small cap stocks. I mean, they run for a while. There's some allocations to small caps. But when it starts to implode, guys hide in the big cap names, and they clean out their small cap portfolio. And so you always get a bigger move down. And so that's where I like to go. It's also the canary in the coal mine. Small caps break down usually first, then big caps follow. <coughs> Why am I doing it? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to read you some quotes right now just to give you some fundamental background. I don't just start shorting because we're at all-time new highs, but I'm going to share with you two things. Three statistics fundamentally so you understand the risks out there, and then I'm going to show you a chart of the small cap index, and you'll see why this is where I'm willing to put a hedge on. Okay, first things first. I'm going to read it off here. <clears throat> the 10-day moving average on the CBOE put-call ratio recently fell to its lowest level since last October. Okay, you all remember what happened last October, November, December. Market got destroyed, dropped 25%. Okay, true, the Fed was raising rates, so there was a fundamental reason for that collapse. But it's just a point to note that we've got complacency in the market again. That's where the risk is, okay? Now, the skew, which is the gap between the premium that investors pay for bearish options over bullish ones, has tumbled below its average levels and is close to its 2019 lows. You guys could go look that up, go read about skew. I'm not going to go into that right now. It's just another point and a fact that complacency is high. That's when risks are at their highest. Don't forget, this desk is about probability and statistics. We want to get on the right side of that every time we make an investment. And risk versus reward, or reward versus risk, I like to say. So the question I have posed for you guys right now is, what's the reward from here? Markets already had a big year. What's the reward from here when complacency is real high? The risks are starting to go up. And the last bit of information is that hedge funds are betting big that volatility will remain low. Now, notoriously, in the last decade or so, hedge funds have been, gotten just, they've been getting destroyed, right? So hedge funds have proven they're not smart money. Or let me put it a different way. Smart money doesn't make money in a market where central banks are manipulating currencies. So no matter how smart you are, it depends on what the Fed does next. 
and it's really turned smart money on its head in the last decade. You don't have to be smart. You can be completely dumb and only follow the Fed. Well, what's the Fed saying now? We've already lowered rates as much as we need to. We're going to look to see how the economy does. We have no plans of lowering rates any further unless numbers blah, blah, blah. Okay? So again, reward versus risk. Okay. Reward versus risk. It's not ideal at this point. And so what we do is we start, we start hedging for aggressive accounts. This is not a call to be short. I'm not saying the market's going to implode. Okay? I wouldn't say that unless the Fed was raising rates like it was last year that led to the big collapse at the end of the year. But I will say this. The Fed's made comments recently that they've done enough. We're trading at the highs, so they don't feel like they have to do more. And all of the Trump-China excitement starts to give way. When we're at the lows of the year, we start to get excitement. Oh, Trump and China, they're going to make a deal. Everything's working. We're getting closer to closing phase one. Oh, the market starts going up in anticipation. Then we get to the top of the channel, and the news starts to come out. The Chinese are disappointed. The Chinese don't think there's going to be a deal. Trump doesn't want to give this, doesn't want to give that. Trump says we don't need a deal. Those are the headlines that start coming out now. And so we have a 22-month trading range. Granted, on the big indexes, we're at the highs now. But the sub-indexes, we're not. That tells me people are hiding in the big names. They don't know where else to go with their money. Okay? That doesn't mean the stock market has to go down. But for my money that's aggressive, I need to look for a place to hedge and protect it. So now let's take a look at the chart. Just a second. Let me just pull this up for you. Okay. Oh, dear. I'm going to show you what I'm looking at, and then I'll fix it. All right, so this we don't need. Mm -hmm. It's a weekly chart, but let's go back and look at the daily here. I'll tell you what, let's let's pull it all the way across. So it's pretty clear. This is a small cap index. You're looking at the highs, right? I'm not exactly sure what this, what happened to my chart here, but let's pull it across, right? There's the basic channel that the small cap indexes are in. Let's scrunch it down a little bit just to give you some more flavor. Okay? So really, what we've got here, going all the way back to October of 2017, this is a couple of years now, right, is a big trading range. We blew out the top side of it once. We imploded below the bottom side of it the second time. That was because the Fed was raising rates. Now we're back in it, and we're right at the top. Okay? Does that seem obvious to you guys? It seems obvious to me. You can see why at the top of that channel, 
I'm willing to put out a short position to hedge my big cap dividend payers. It's just smart business. If it takes out the high based on whatever my stop is, and that's a personal thing that obviously um, we all have our own stops and how we come up with them. I'd be more than happy to cover that short out for a loss. I hope I do, right? Because the whole rest of my portfolio will be blowing out, be making a lot of money, I've locked in my dividend yields. Great, great. Hedging is a very strange thing. You almost don't want to make money on a hedge. I almost don't. Like I don't, I don't want to be right. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that channel is over and the small caps blow out to the top side and we have a huge run at the end of the year and everything's roses. But I don't get paid to hope that everything's roses. I get paid to protect capital. I already have capital as an individual. I don't want to give it away. I have to protect it. This is how I do it. All right, let's move on. Okay. Moving on. Um, dividend investing. I've already told you why I love it. I already told you why it's the focus of our business right now. You all know we're huge into the cannabis investment theme. Huge into it, meaning we're doing research. We're following a lot of companies. We're working on our whiteboard. But we don't buy the stocks if they're in a massive downtrend. Right? If we take positions every now and then in aggressive accounts, we use stop losses. Right? So our real focus for the, for the majority of our capital on this desk are dividend-paying blue-chip stocks. And then there'll be a kicker of cannabis from time to time until we get it right. And when that thing starts to take off, that'll be a beautiful thing. But right now, the focus is big cap, big cap blue chip, dividend payers. So I just saw a 13D filing that I wanted to make you guys aware of. Um, yeah, there's a Warren Buffett filing, right? So every quarter, these guys have to talk about what stocks they're adding to if it's a certain percentage, Okay. Look up 13D and you'll understand what it is. Um, all the big fund managers, you know, have to have to file. And so you get a little insight into what some of these big guys are doing. Why do I care about that? Because big money is what moves stocks up over a long period of time. Big money supports its positions over a long period of time. And that's how you get long, steady uptrends. And that's what we all want to invest our capital in. We don't want wild swings in our capital. We want nice, steady uptrends at a 45-degree angle in a, in, a, in, a, you know, in a decent range. We know there'll be some volatility, right? So understanding, I don't run out there and just buy a stock because there's a 13D filing. But I find some filings very interesting. It shows you where some of the big money is going. So I don't know what to take out of this. But one thought was, Buffett has 43% of his portfolio in financials and almost zero, actually zero utilities and very little real estate stocks. These are stocks, right? So that would suggest Buffett's really betting on a yield curve steepening. And so he's buying dividend payers. He owns Wells Fargo with 4% plus yield. Right, you could go look at regional banks. There's a whole bunch of them at four plus percent yields. 
So as a dividend player, what I try to do is spread out my dividend portfolio. I don't want all of my eggs in one basket, even if the yields are the highest, I don't know, in energy. I wouldn't put all my money in energy, right? So you want to have a blended rate on your dividend portfolio, whatever the number works for you. For me, it's somewhere close to 6%. And I'm going to do that through various ways. And I just find it interesting that very savvy and smart investor has such a massive bet on financials, which suffer in a world of negative interest rates and inverted yield curves. <clears throat> so what does he know? I don't know. I don't know if he knows anything. Maybe he just likes the stocks. But he has no utility exposure. Interesting. I also wanted to point out this. Buffett put $8 billion into Occidental Petroleum. You know, I've been talking about Occidental for a while. It keeps going straight down. It's got an 8% yield. Energy stocks have been awful. I get it. Buffett put $8 billion into preferred stock to help them buy in Indarco. And we found out on the 13D filing, now he's buying the common. He's buying the common shares with an 8% yield. So there's a guy on the inside who really believes in Occidental, and he's adding to his position in a common stock. Now, look. Let's don't get too carried away. It's a tiny position for his overall portfolio. I don't even know if it's one, I don't think it's 1% of his portfolio, right? So it's no skin off his nose if he's wrong and it goes lower. He'll just keep building the position. So one thing I hate about people telling me how Buffett invests or any of these big guys, it's like completely unrealistic for you and for me. You know, if you have a billion dollars, you throw a little chump change at, you know, Occidental, what difference does it make if you're wrong, right? But if you and I put too much of our portfolio into an idea based on what a billionaire thinks, it can get ugly. So I'm not telling you to run out and buy Occidental. I'm not saying do it because Buffett's doing it. I'm just saying food for thought. The guy already put $8 billion into the preferreds, and he feels like he wants to buy some more common? He's got to know something, right? So right now people think it's a terrible investment, too much debt, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to the charts. Okay. First of all, I want to show you this chart. Okay, check this out. Okay, that's ABV. A B B V. ABV. Okay. I told you guys about the stock right down in here. I told you this is on our whiteboard. Okay. And I told you why it was on our whiteboard. Lots of debt, took over Alcan. Everyone thinks Humair is done, uh, not going to be able to service their dividend, all these reasons. And we did our due diligence, and we did our research, which is the fundamental part of quantumental investing. And we came back and we said the reward is worth the risk. So take a good, hard look at this chart. When I tell you the reward's worth the risk, that's, this is what I'm talking about. I use stop losses. If it dropped below the bottom of that green box, I'd be out of it. But it didn't. Instead, we paid less than $70 a share for the stock, and it's trading at 89, and we have a yield over 7% in the portfolio. Maybe it was 6.9%, 6.8, 6.9. That, my friends, is how you invest in a dividend stock. 
big blue chip stock when people hate it. All right, now let's go to Occidental. Okay, I don't know where the turn's going to be. I don't know. Okay, but it's fairly clear from that downtrend people hate it. But Warren Buffett is adding to his position. He's already got $8 billion invested in this company, and he's buying the common. But everybody's sure they won't be able to pay that dividend, and everybody's sure they've overpaid for Anandarko, and everybody's sure this is not a good place to put capital. And that's when I start looking. I'm not telling you to run out and buy it today, guys. Okay? I'm saying it's on the whiteboard do your own research, figure out your own risk-reward tolerance. But to me, the reward from here, if we're right, is worth the risk because we'll lock in an 8% yield. And if it doesn't abvi, there's another name in the portfolio that we might be able to hold on to for years, collecting a stout dividend payout. Okay? I know the risks. Price of oil collapses and they have to cut the dividend. I get it. It might happen. It's true. I mean, I had the same types of risks in Abvi. Okay? Whenever you're buying stocks that have been destroyed, there's always a lot of risk. There's a reason they've been destroyed. But the question is, is it overdone? And are those reasons not exactly accurate? And if you're, the answer is yes to those questions and you get it right, you buy the reward versus the risk. I've got my stop losses in. I'll cut it out if I'm wrong. If I'm right, you know, AbbVie is an extreme example. Not all these stocks skyrocket like AbbVie. But if I'm right, you've just locked in a dividend payer at 8% that Warren Buffett's, you know, is into in a major way. It's just it's just no, really a no-brainer. So do the research, find your entry point, understand where your stops should be. That's my gift to you on a Monday. Let me just finish with this one chart. This will be interesting because this kind of drives the whole story. This is a chart of USO. Okay, that's oil. It's a chart of oil. Look, it's pretty much just in a range. If oil breaks out to the top side of this range, then energy stocks are a no-brainer at the end of this year. People have been killed in energy stocks, and very often at the end of the year, you get a washout based on tax loss selling and then a very strong bounce back in January, February, March if the, 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 the stock and the group is solid. So if energy collapses and breaks, you know, if, you, if USO breaks below 10, I mean, all bets are off, okay? They'll keep killing these stocks. But if, if this chart holds up and if in any way energy can move higher and you get a group that's overextended on the downside because of tax loss selling, you can lock in a good dividend yield and, and perhaps get that bounce in January to give you a cushion on your principal. All right? Food for thought. Um, I just threw out there another idea. You know, Can Slim is a big idea. Um, 
when I say threw out an idea, if you look at the title and the description of this live stream, you'll see I'm going to talk about Cotty, C-O-T-Y. I don't own the stock. I've just started to look at it because of the news today. This is more an idea for investing for beginners, okay? Anybody who wants to learn how to invest should be reading the book, How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. Okay, I've read it multiple times. I've got a copy that's all marked up. I've been to a number of seminars, William O'Neill, for really for the last 30 plus years. Maybe even. Okay. So, um, in the can, in the O'Neill, how to make money in stocks, he comes up with an acronym called Can Slim, and the N of Can is new a new concept, a new idea, a new product, okay? In the, um, if you were looking at AbbVie, it would have been a new acquisition, okay? Um, so Cotty just announced that they cut a deal, Kylie Jenner. It's a 4% dividend paying stock. Stock's been down for a long period of time. It's a cosmetics company, a lot of high profile products. And they just added a new, very high-profile piece. I don't know if I want this stock, guys. I, I'm just telling you. It just, it just reached the, the whiteboard. I'm going to have to do some research on it. I just thought it was an interesting story. I, like, I, I look for dividend-paying stocks that are down over a long period of time and make major changes that can change the trajectory of the stock. I don't know if this is that kind of a thing here, so I hesitate to even mention it, but – what the heck? We're all friends. I'll let you know what's in my head. I saw that story today, and I think it's worth looking at because of that dividend yield. All right, I'm going to wrap up now. I had a lot of ideas to talk about today. It's going long, so let's just focus on this last piece here. Okay, let me share with you that chart. Let's go to the weekly chart. Okay, for those of you who don't know, that's Disney. Now, what I want to do for you, this is for you know, new, new beginning investors, guys who've just started, they're trying to find their way, they want to learn how to do this, and how did we identify this idea? I'm going to walk you through it, okay? Step one, let's go look at the chart again. Step one, consolidation, this is a weekly chart. All right, I'm just going to draw the lines for you. Weekly chart. Okay. We connect the tops and the bottoms. You can see that since 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19, Disney was trading in a sideways pattern. That's a huge base. But notice how... Since late 2016, there's an uptrend that's building. Love that chart pattern. Print that up, guys. Print it up and put it on your wall. You're looking for big consolidations with an uptrend over time telling you that the buyers are gaining the upper hand over the sellers. Then we have the big breakout. Let's go to the daily chart. Okay. Here we have the big breakout. Now, again, can slim. 
What was new about Disney at that moment? They announced Disney Plus, a new product that's a category killer. Stock explodes higher. I did not own the stock before that news. Okay, I didn't own it. I wasn't even caring about Disney. That news came out, and that changed the entire narrative for me. Major new reason to own the stock. Can slim. Read the book. Okay? So what do I do? How do I get into this stock after it already blows out? Well, the answer is, when it comes to blue chip stocks, big ones, they tend to move a little bit slower than um, new and emerging growth stocks. Very often, after the first breakout of a huge base, it will come back down and test the 200-day moving average. And that's when I came on this show for you guys, and I said, we're buying Disney in here. Because the rewards worth is worth the risk. Here's the double bottom in Disney. You guys who watched the show, remember I showed you this. I said, here's the double bottom right there. Right on that black line, which is the 200-day moving average. We bought that second touch of the 200-day knowing exactly what our stop was. So the reward is enormous. The risk is small. And then, of course, the news came out in the first week. You know, 10 million people subscribed to Disney Plus. It took HBO Go four years to get to 10 million people. Okay, just to put it in perspective, it's a category killer, and that's how you make money in the stock market. Print up those charts. What I've always done my whole life in my office, literally all over my walls, will be charts of my most successful investments to remind myself what I'm looking for. Don't be led astray by all these other crazy ideas. Look for the, for the category killers with new investment reasons coming out of big bases. You either buy it before it breaks out or you buy the first test of the 200-day moving average. Sometimes for smaller growth stocks, you're going to buy the first test of the 50-day moving average. Here endeth the lesson. I hope it's been helpful, guys. I look forward to talking to you again on Wednesday, same time, same station. Thanks for being here.